0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, oh, I thank God for you guys. I love you. I miss you. And uh, I'm glad we're together because I've got some helpful information for you today. Today, I want to tell you how to go to hell. Um, In case you don't experience an untimely death or uh, the second coming of Jesus, hell is only a five and a half hour drive away from Beloit, Wisconsin. Hell, Michigan Uh, that is. So if you do go to Hell, Michigan, uh, it's pretty cool. I visited their website. They even post the current weather conditions in Hell. I think it was like 82 degrees, which sounds awesome. Um, There's a nice little chapel there so you can get married in Hell or renew your wedding vows in Hell. If you're hungry, there's a Hell Hole restaurant. And I can't give you all the details about Hell, uh, but there are bus tours so you can go and see everything for yourself in hell, Michigan. (laughs) Actually, um, today I'm pretty jazzed because I want to tell you how to go to heaven. Uh, Not just how to go to heaven, I want you to be absolutely certain you are going to heaven. Uh, I mean, if you did experience an untimely death, or if Jesus did uh, instantaneously a return and you stood before God's judgment seat, and He asked you, Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And I know you talk to uh, the person on the street. I've asked people at times, You know, why should a perfect God allow you into His heaven? Will you, are you certain? Are you sure you're going to heaven? And people will say, Well, you know, I, I think so. I I guess I will. I I certainly hope so. But friends, wishing and hoping ain't going to get it done when you're standing before your maker with your eternity on the line. Because God, he knows our lives inside and out. Everything. Everything about us. In fact, the word of God says, God knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is laid bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Him to whom we must explain all we've done. I'll admit there have uh, been times in my life where I've contemplated the the possibility of having to explain my life, all the ugly parts, all the dark parts, all the sinful parts to God. And I just, oh my gosh, I just feel like I wouldn't, wouldn't have a chance. And maybe you've been there. God doesn't want me, doesn't want you to go through life worrying about our eternal destiny. When it comes to heaven, am I in or am I Out. God doesn't leave, want us to have any doubt about this issue at all. So, what we're going to do today, we're going to go back to the basics. Vince uh, Lombardi, famous, famous uh, coach of the Green Bay Packers, led them to their uh, victory in the very first Super Bowl. He would begin every preseason training in the same way. He would call his players back to the basics. He would hold up a football and say, gentlemen, This is a football. He didn't want to take anything for granted. He didn't want to assume anything about his players. And I want him to know know for sure that you know with absolute certainty that you're going to heaven. So we're going to go back to the basics right now. I'm going to take you to, to the most basic aspect of God's word. A simple sentence known worldwide. Maybe the most famous sentence in the entire Bible, John 3.16, which reads like this, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, let me show you something that maybe you haven't noticed before. There are 25 words in that sentence, and the center word is the word son, Jesus. Everything revolves around him. Jesus is like the holy hinge on which everything turns. Now, the first 12 words leading up to Jesus, the son of God, the first 12 words all are all about God himself, how he loves, who he loves, and who he is sending to be for us and with us and to die in our place The the 12 words after Jesus, the Son of God, have everything to do with us. That if we surrender our lives to Jesus, we will not die, but have everlasting life. So I want to go through this phrase, chunk by chunk, to show us how you can be absolutely sure you're going to heaven. The very first step in absolute assurance that you're going to heaven, is this, personally experiencing God's love. God so loved the world. Now, I say experiencing because it's not a one and done. It's a daily experience of God's love, which seems a bit challenging to our finite human hearts where love kind of comes and goes, I mean, we throw love around in a rather loose form. I love pizza. I love sports. I love shopping. In fact, we readily say to each other, I love you. I don't say, I so love you. <laughs> that would be creepy. Uh, but, but the love of God is, is an overwhelming love. God is love. It's not that God is just loving His very, that very essence of God is love. He is driven. Every decision he makes, every move he makes is driven by love. He loves his entire creation. God loves everything that he's made. He loves the mountains and the oceans. He he loves plants and animals. He, He does love you and I, but there's more to you and I. Not only does God love you and I, But he allows you and I of all creation, he allows human beings to literally experience his love when we open ourselves to the experience of God's love. He loves you when you're at your best, he loves you when you're at your worst. He loves you when you get everything right, he loves you when you make a royal mess. Of things. You see, there's nothing horrible that you could ever do that would make God love you less. And there's, it it would be impossible for God to love you more. He loves you to the nth degree. And I've got to admit that this was really challenging for me about 20 years ago. I I knew that I had literally and personally experienced uh, the love of God as a child. But now I'm a middle-aged man, and um, I was struggling. I didn't feel very loving. I didn't feel very lovable. Um, I, I, it's not that I disbelieved God's love for me. I just didn't know that if, if, if I really loved him. And so I just cried out to God, oh, God, would you give me such a profound experience of your love that it never goes away? Because you know what I found out? Love leaks. My love, your love, our human love is is limited. So it has, the supply of our love has to be replenished every day. The supply of our love for God, the supply of our love for each other, we just have to replenish it. Have God replenish it every day. So I cried out to him, oh God, give me such a personal and profound experience of your love that it will never go away. And in response to my prayer, God led me to this slice of scripture His word, it says this, Ephesians chapter 4, feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, how high God's love really is. Experience this love for yourself. It's a four dimensional love, not three dimensional, four dimensional. How long is the love of God? It's long enough to last forever. It's not limited like our love. There's no replenishing of God's love. His love is eternal. How wide is God's love? Wide enough to take in every person unconditionally. Wide enough. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere, in everyone, in every circumstance. How deep is God's love? Deep enough to reach down to the, have you ever said, I'm in the pits? Well, God's love is deep enough to go down and rescue you, redeem you, put your feet on the higher ground of abundant living, crown you with this love and compassion. There is no depth beyond the reach of God's love. How high is God's love? This is awesome. It is so high, it overlooks all your sin. Here's what I want you to go home with. Get this. God's love is not based on who you are, but on who he is. God's love is not based on what you do, but on what Jesus has done for you on the cross. It's one of the reasons I believe God has brought you within the sound of my voice this day that he would be able to whisper over your soul from the lips of God to your heart, I love you, I have Always loved you. I will always love you. This assurance, this certainty, this is the first step toward knowing faux show that I'm going to heaven. It's experiencing the unconditional love of God. That's first. Here's the second step from the second chunk of John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. And so step two is to accept and enjoy God's gift of Jesus. God gave his one and only son. Uh, He he doesn't give an angel. He doesn't offer a prophet. He doesn't offer a moral leader. He doesn't offer a great world-class teacher. He doesn't offer a prime minister or a president. God sent his son to be a sacrifice For our sin, to take our place, to bear our punishment, to absorb within himself all the consequences of everything we've ever done wrong. God sent his son. In fact, scripture says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son, Jesus, into the world so that we might have eternal life through a real relationship with him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And so, just like Vince Lombardi did with his football team, right now, let's do in relationship with our Lord and Savior. Let's go back to the basics. Here's basic number one in accepting the gift of Jesus. It's the awareness that no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You've messed up. I've messed up. The Bible says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin even one sin. If, if you were so good, so good, so good that you only did told one lie in your entire life, you only hurt made one hurtful statement, only had one hateful thought in your whole life, even one sin is enough to send you to hell forever. And everyone has sinned. Here's basic number two. Heaven's a perfect place. I'm an imperfect person. Heaven's a perfect place. It's the home of a perfect God, and only purple, purple, only perfect people get to go there. Which would mean I'm jacked up out of luck. But that brings up basic number three. Our only hope is to somehow be made perfect, and that's why God sent his son Jesus into the world to be with us, to be one of us. Um, Though we have all failed, and I'll admit, I've got a boatload of sin in, in the past of my life. Maybe you only have one. Well, I've got one million. All the times I've failed, miserably, painfully. God sent his son Jesus, not just to be with us, but to be one of us. And Jesus knew no sin, did no sin. He was tempted in every way, just like we have been. But every time he fought his way tenaciously through every temptation until he had conquered it. He did not give in to the temptation. He overcame the temptation until he had lived a perfect, sinless life, innocent in every way, knew no sin, did no sin. And then here's the wild thing. He passed every test. Where we failed miserably in every way, he passed every test with flying colors. And then his perfection, all the perfection of Jesus, he takes our imperfections upon himself and gives us his perfection. We are made perfect in Christ. That sounds crazy. That sounds too wild, too good to be true, and yet it's too true to be denied. Listen to the word of God. God took the sinless Jesus, knew no sin, did no sin, and poured into him all our sins. Then, in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Everything bad about us was put into Jesus, and everything good about Jesus was put into us. When when we accept and enjoy the gift of God's son, Jesus, anything wrong with us is put on him and everything right with Jesus is put on us. As a result, God will never be angry with us because Jesus took upon himself all the anger of God due us for our sin. God will never judge us because Jesus took upon himself on the cross all the judgment of God due us for our sin as a consequence. God will never condemn us because on the cross Jesus took all the condemnation of God to us. We should be condemned but we're not condemned because on the cross Jesus took our condemnation and we get unconditional acceptance. We get full forgiveness of sins past, present, and future. Step one, to know that you're going to heaven, experience, personally experiencing the love of God. Number two, accepting and enjoying the gift of God's Son Jesus. And number three, surrender your life to Jesus. John 3:16 says, "Whoever, whoever is me, Oh my gosh, whoever is you, that's us. We can get in. We don't have to have so much education, so much money be so holy. No. I can be the most vile of sinners and I get in when I surrender my life to Jesus. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, that person will not perish, will not die, will not go to hell, but have everlasting life. Now, the, the word there that, that is used in John 3, 16 for believes, that word in the Greek is o. And it has a stark difference from our English word believe, because I might say, hey, I believe that George Washington was the very first president of the United States. But that's just head knowledge. The word pisteuo has more to do with a heart experience. And the best English word I've ever been able to find that communicates well the meaning of believes in this text is actually the word surrenders. Whoever surrenders their lives to Jesus will never perish but have everlasting life. Um, You see, most people, most people, the majority of people, the the Bible says narrow is the way and few are they that find it to everlasting life and broad is the path that that leads to destruction and most go that way. The vast majority of heaven Excuse me the vast majority of people will miss heaven by 18 inches. The 18 inches inches from your head to your heart. Surrender is a hard experience. It's not just about knowing about Jesus, it's about personally having a real relationship with Jesus. It's kind of like the relationship I have with my Debbie. We've been married um, for nearly 46 years. So I, I know what she's thinking. I know what she's going to say before she says it. In fact, sometimes I put words in her mouth. Um, but, but I know her from 46 years of marriage, and we dated for four years before that. It's, it's a heart knowledge. A heart knowledge that surrenders to Jesus I mean, everybody wants to have Jesus as their savior, but not everyone is willing to surrender to him as Lord. But when you surrender to Jesus as Lord over every aspect of your life, when you know that surrender is taking place, just as a personal experience of his love is taking place, as that surrender is taking place, as that surrender is being lived out, in the face of our imperfections, in the face of our sin, in the face of the things we've done, said, and thought wrong, as that surrender is being lived out, we can be absolutely sure that we're going to go to heaven, that we're going to spend eternity with God. In fact, surrender is this is is a picture. It's captured in the picture of baptism. It's one of the reasons that Um, Jesus, this is the first thing Jesus said that you do once you surrender to him. You surrender the experience of baptism. That um, if you've never been to our church live, maybe you've never seen the way baptisms happen in the Bible, the way Jesus was baptized. uh, People are immersed. They are buried in the water. You see, Jesus died on the cross. And so baptism is sharing in his death. We die to ourselves. We put our past to death. And then we are, Jesus was buried in the grave for three days. And so we bury people in the water for three days. Just kidding. Just seeing if you're paying attention. No, people are buried in the water. And then scripture says by the the same power God used to raise Jesus from the dead, he raises us up to newness of life. In fact, the final words Jesus said Before leaving this planet were these. Whoever believes, surrenders, and is baptized is saved. They're going to heaven. But whoever refuses to believe is damned. The Greek word Jesus chooses to use there for damned is katakrino. And it really captures all that is hellish. All the the, the fiery judgment of God. All the condemnation of God. All the anger of God. It's like an eternal, agonizing death. That's what catacrino means. That's what damned means. And th- this is a huge deal to Jesus. I don't know if you knew this, but he did more teaching on hell than he did on heaven. He had three major metaphors for hell. One was darkness. That hell will be like solitary confinement, just total blackness. You won't be able to see your hand in front of your face. Heaven, heaven will be just the opposite. Listen to the word of God, book of Revelation. The heavenly city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. The second metaphor Jesus used for hell was the gnashing of teeth. Now in his day, that was an idiom. For regret. It was like a loud weeping, uncontrollable crying and tears of regret. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. That's going to be hell. You won't be able to see anything, but everywhere you'll hear the echo of people crying out. Oh, I wish I hadn't. Oh, I wish I hadn't. I wish I had surrendered to Jesus. I wish I had surrendered to Jesus. But heaven will be the opposite, no tears of regret in heaven, just unlimited, unspeakable tears of joy, unbroken relationship with God. Book of Revelation says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever." And the third and maybe most famous metaphor that Jesus teaches about hell is, is fire. That it will be like a lake of fire. That it will be like an eternity of just burning up, burning up, burning up, burning up. But heaven will be the opposite. The opposite of fire. The opposite of, of death. Listen. Book of Revelation, the water of life river flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the very center of the main street of the city. The tree of life is planted on each side of the river, producing 12 kinds of fruit. The tree, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No darkness, the light of God's love, no regret, every tear wiped away. No death, only life, the river of life. We'll swim in it. We'll dunk each other in it. We'll drink it till we can drink no more. If you've never seen the beauty of baptism, uh, like it happened for Jesus, like it happened in the Bible, let me show you this video of some joy of people experiencing the love of Christ in baptism. Man, that that excites me every time I see it. I, I it moves me emotionally every time I see it. And it reminds me of my own baptism. I, I remember the times I've been in the water or I've watched Ray in the water helping people experience baptism. Tremendously moving. But, but love leaks. And so that's not the end of our relationship with God. It's a good starting place. It's why we enjoy and experience communion. Every weekend, as a part of our worship, because communion is a similar picture to baptism. We remember and participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through the emblems. In our mind's eye, we can see Jesus suffering in our place as our sin offering, taking upon himself all our imperfections. And imputing to us all his perfection. I want you to think about that today as you take the bread. If you'll take your bit of chip or a cracker or a cookie or bread. And if you'll eat it. And as you eat it, that you think about Jesus taking on himself all your imperfections, all your sin. And making everything right in you. You right with God and giving you his perfection. Let me pray over you. Father, as we share together now in the body of Christ, Lord Jesus, we ask that you come and live inside us. And Father, that you give us a very personal and profound, ongoing experience of your love. We thank you for your love, exemplified in Jesus on the cross. And then the cup, that cup of juice. It symbolizes the blood of Jesus poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. He paid a very high price, a sacrifice, so that all of our sins would be washed away, so that we would be cleansed of all guilt and shame. It's through the torn body of Jesus that we are able to enter the throne room of God and find mercy and help in our time of need, are able to experience personally the love of God and and are able to accept and enjoy the gift of God Jesus and are able to surrender our lives to him so that we know that we know, we thank him that we're going to heaven. Have these thoughts now as we share together with the cup. Would you bow with me, please? We thank you, God. You are the God who made the grape and the juice from it and have sanctified it to represent the blood of Christ so that we would be justified, so that I would be justified just as if I never sinned. Thank you, Lord. As we drink, Lord Jesus, come and fill us with yourself. Fill us to the full, with the fullness of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.